stuff is. Why can't we play on white America, the right, uh, their nationalistic, ethno-nationalistic stuff? Why can't we just basically say, you know, so I agree. I believe a white community should be white. We should protect the white community, everything. So you as as you believe that we're black, you know, and we protect our communities, right? And people can do whatever they want to do in between. But we do recognize, yes, the sovereignty of America's borders. Do you recognize the fact that we deserve a nation state of our own? Yeah, okay, now we can do business. Let's form a new coalition, right? That right there will put fear in the hearts of our enemies. Why? Because it'll be like this shit. The black people, the black nationalist movement is joining the right wing. And why shouldn't there be a right wing in the black community, right? Why, why do leftist ideology dominate black people when black people by nature are conservative, right, or, or rights? You know, right wing people support right wing people causes around the world. Me, I support the right wing cause in Japan, right? Fans really bothered by leftist ideology and socialism and all the stuff like that that's destroying the Japanese culture. I support the right wing movement in Moscow. I support the right wing movement, not the far right, the right wing conservative movement in Germany, Spain, because I see what leftist, social Marxist, cultural Marxist, and social justice really do to communities and culture. Unfortunately, in Africa, Africa, there is no right wing in Africa because Africa is pretty much a leftist basket case on the world stage. There's no industrialization. There's no working class industrial thing. So there's no right wing. There's no way to create a right wing in Africa at this present time. You know, there's no working industrial class and everything. Workers, skilled trade, you know, unions, stuff like that. Not that sort of society in Africa is not developed. That that's what it is, folks. So basically, I'm gonna take you out with some music, right? I'm going out. This has been the College Genesis of the Voice of the College Radio Show, and this is this this is one for the books. This is one for the books. Hold up. So we play our own station identification. You have now tuned into the Hood's number one online station. <laughs> Boom boom boom, the living is say well. They say boom boom boom, the women about to say well. They say boom boom boom, the living is say well. It's the Africa, back in the room, ready to rock the world with the moon. So I hope you can stand the vibration, because we're about to rock the entire nation. Alright, here we go!
Nigeria from saying oh, we're a sovereign country. They say we're a sovereign country, right? We're going to basically take over the British, the oil fields, the oil. That's what the conflict was, is in the Delta. You got Shell there and everything. These foreign companies, they pay the government money, and plus they pay off officials. The Nigerian elite are rich. You know, why can't they take over the oil fields? And like Dangote is building an oil refinery and gas refinery right now and everything. But I think my personal thing, also my point about the gold was Ghana has never got into the gold business. They they say Ghana's a good gold producer, but who's producing in gold in Ghana? It's not Ghanaians that's producing the gold. It's foreign companies, and they're taking the gold. So like the Chinese 
the Lebanese, the, uh, the, the people from Dubai, they're taking gold out of, of, uh, of Ghana and shipping them uh, and minting them and shipping them, the packaging them, shipping them to banks overseas. And I'm saying, why is it that the that so how how could the African gold, the African bullion bank counter that? Make that seem like a better alternative than letting these people come in and take the gold out, right? And and put it in a thing. Well, where does the gold stay? Where does the gold stay in Africa? Well, you, you know, some of your most richest countries are the ones that are down south. The ones that are in Mali, uh, Zimbabwe, Angola, Congo, uh, uh, Uganda, and the over on the east side, uh, Tanzania. Those, those are extremely wealthy, gold-wealthy countries. But to say why they don't do it, it's, it's one of, there are several reasons. The biggest reason is corruption. When someone come in and sign agreements uh, to buy the gold and they leave a few million dollars in the pocket of the ministers, uh, not ministers as we call ministers, but we call them secretaries, the minister of mines, minister of agriculture, the minister of uh, defense, and they, they can cut unscrupulous deals. The other thing is the lack of trust and working together. If you look at how much money the African Americans make, and if we unite that money, we would be the eighth richest country in the world. But when you drive through our communities, you see Indians, you, you, you see Uranians, uh, you see everything but us putting up corner stores, dollar stores, and drawing the money back out of our community and recycling it in it. There's nothing to stop us from doing it. Well, the only thing that stops black America is, is the fact that... Well, I'm saying it's the same thing. Right. Uh, black America could be uh, stronger than any European country if they come together. There's nothing to stop us from doing it. We just don't do it. Same thing in, in African countries. There's nothing to stop them from uh, selling their gold. They, they just do it. Uh, when you think about what happens to the gold when London buy it, when France buy it, or when China buy it, or when the United States buy it, they're not making jewelry out of it. They are making, some people call them bricks, blocks. Uh, the real name is bouillon. Mm -hmm. We, we, uh, the gold bouillon are printed, I mean, are melted down and stamped and approved by an association called London Bouillon Association. Then they are put in vaults and banks and held as collateral to go in leveraging programs. Sometimes you can read in Wall Street where you see Goldman Sachs uh, had an average of leveraging 15 to 1. That means for every $1 they had, they invested in different things. They gave them $15 return on it. So when you look at a ton of gold, which the metric people call it uh, uh, KGs of gold, which would be a thousand would equal to a ton, and the ton is, is two thousand pounds. A, a ton of gold is worth sixty million dollars today. Well, mm. if you if you have a country that's digging up over a hundred tons of uh, 
per year. That those are billions of dollars that are leaving. And what the the white Europeans do is put that gold in banks and use it as collateral uh, to use it as collateral for trading. They're leveraging it. You can take a hundred million dollars and go to uh, trading platforms and you can get $500 million in a year. There are some special programs. Uh, you can get much more than that, depending on the program your, your funds are entered into. But if you don't have $100 million, you can't get into the program. Right. So that's what's keeping most of us out of it. But if we would aggregate our money, black folks could get into those programs. Yeah. What we need is a solid... Uh, uh, a solid uh, uh, relationship with a particular African country, and and we have to have like at least two African countries uh, backing each other, saying, okay, this is because what our fear is, Black America don't have the political leverage of a country. You can even take a country like Haiti, at least they got a government. Right now, Black America is the most powerful Black people, with them, but politically, we have no government. You know, we have no. Uh, diplomatic thing, so there's nothing that, that bounds them to any treaty because there's no black America, you know, which is a shame. Well, you know, when it comes to finance, black ignorance is a billion dollar industry. I, I met a lady uh, from Baton Rouge who was a retired school teacher. Uh, this lady was making soap in her kitchen in Africa. And she would put different perfumes and fragrances in the soap and wrap it with a beautiful label with a gorgeous African young ladies picture on, on the package of it. Mm -hmm. And what the Africans would do is they would take uh, something like a little tray and fill it up with maybe 50 to 100 bars of soap and put it on top of their head and stand in the middle of the street and sell it to cars as they come back. Well, last year, the sister made $500,000, a half a million dollars for selling her soap. Wow. So there are a lot of opportunities for blacks who are in business or creative or have management skills. Uh, another example to raise it to a higher level is there's a, what's called, there's a group of elements in the ground that's called rare earth elements. Uh, one of them is, is called coltan, C-O-L-T-A-N. Yeah. And coltan is the essential component for making e electronic uh, boards for GPS system, flat screen TV, <laughs> computer tablets, and most of all, cell phones. Well, yeah. this cell phone that you pay Samsung uh, $1,000 for can be made for $225. Mm -hmm. If you have your own Cotan. So when Samsung make the phone for $225 and then they give it to some distributor, uh, another $200 to bring it across the ocean. And when you get it over here, you have to set it up into regional distributors and those distributors catch another 200 to it. Then the retailers who sells it to us put a two hundred. Then you're up to a thousand to twelve hundred, and some of them thirteen hundred dollars 
for a phone could be made for $220. Suppose black Americans made a deal with, with, with the Africans. We will manufacture these phones in America mm -hmm. and you provide us with the cold tan. I mean, there are so many. Rwanda, I think Rwanda is doing that right now. Rwanda. A common thing you can see every day. But name me a city in the United States you can go and sit down and see that same uh, deal. No, you don't. But these these brothers I'm talking about, they own gold mines, they own diamond mines, they own coltan mines, and they are doing it. And there are a lot of African Americans over there. They, they are not an organization of African Americans. We have been working... Uh, my group have been working the last year with with Dr. Aracana and Professor Lumumba to come together uh, and and to talk about the same issues to try to aggregate the diasporas over 250 of them to come together and work on the same uh, priorities, but. It's it's just like it's it's just like unorganization everywhere. When you ask the people, Martin Luther, Martin Luther King is dead. Uh, what person can we get to speak for all black folks? Well, there's nobody can speak for all of us. <coughs> yeah, we're diverse. That's why I said never. Many little businesses yeah, yeah. that pop up. You know, there there's a group of young people. Most of them are under forty. Who are in Atlanta, Georgia, who I've uh, worked with, who are buying motels, buying small corner stores, uh, going into diversified businesses, uh, buying apartment complex, and taking use of a lot of financial opportunities such as tax credits that most of us don't take advantage of. So you you have a, a the dots are not connected. Right. How do you connect the dots? Oh, the I, cre I, cre I, created, I created one organization, the BIO, and my group. We have all people all over the continent and everything like that. But and like I said at the top of the show, even even then we have a social network and everything. But the problem is with social media is as soon as somebody say something to somebody and everything, and next thing you know. Oh, I'm gonna go my own. I'm gonna social media has destroyed the unification. You know, before we before we had social media, we only had like black magazines. Oh, linking us together with black magazines, with uh, uh, black organizations, like NAACP and everything. Now with social media, there's tens of thousands, so many groups out there, right? And they split, they keep splintering off, splintering off, splintering off. So there's no thing. That's why I made sure the BAO platform. I've had it for years now, going on a decade, right? That platform is still there and still growing, you know. And what happens is people that there, I say, oh yeah, I haven't heard from you in years. They only they check in every once in a while and they say, okay, I'm doing this over. Oh great, ready to share it with the red groups and everything. So it's not an organization; it's a social network. And so when people come under the BAO flag and banner, we're we're unified, you know. And I and I want to build branches and chapters in every African country and every. Well, African well, state. I highly admire BIO for stepping out front put it together. But the the black platform that's gonna generate masses 
is going to be the one who can strategically set up where it can generate revenue right. and can pay dividends back. That's, then that's, you that's have my a financial next, that's, reason. That's, that's my next thing. That's, that's my next give, thing. Give you an example. When Bitcoin first came out, uh, the Treasury Department and everybody was saying uh, it's going to be a money laundry. It's not going to be successful. But there, uh, I do feel that sometime in the second or third quarter of next year, the Treasury Department is going to give them some trouble. But right now, there are people making millions of dollars off of Bitcoin. Yeah. Not that they like Bitcoin. Or it's a good organization. They call it you buy a wallet. And when you buy this online wallet, you put your money in it. Yeah. And then when, when, they, when it uh, does business, it pays high dividends back. And people are making great sums of money from it. But I'm saying that once we start investing in African resources, let's go back to what you was mentioning. In, in Botswana, uh, there was a white company, European and South African country, company called De Beers, mm -hmm. who had no conscious or care of what they did or how they did anything to black folks. Chop their arms off, kill them. They call, started calling diamonds blood diamonds based on their action. Well, the new president of Botswana uh, last year ran them out of Botswana. Now, the problem was uh, the Jews, who are the masters in jewelry making, cutting and polishing diamonds and stones, they've been doing this over 2,000 years. The Jews will not teach Africans how to cut and polish stones. It's, it's, it's a skill. Uh, so you you have the the bill started doing not the, the bill started doing that, but they would only teach a very few Africans how to cut and polish stones. So now you have the Indians uh, who who has the skills of cutting and polishing stone. And Indians have this, this desire to have rubies. They like red. They even put the little spot on their forehead. They wear red dresses. They, they just, just like being at a bullfight. They just like red. So they like rubies. But they, are, they have started lately uh, going off into diamonds. Uh, when you look at the markability of diamonds, you look at the largest population, uh, the Chinese, the Japanese, uh, uh, the, the people from Hawaii, all of those yellow people, they, they like to buy yellow uh, diamonds, which are very rare and expensive. They, a lot of them are in Zimbabwe, uh, Botswana, uh, Central African Republic and Mozambique. Uh, also, in America, white women will pay extra money for pink diamonds. So, those who can go over there and can invest in in those type of uh, uh, diamonds can get very high returns back on their investments. Uh, even if you go over there and buy uncut stones and take them on 57th Street in New York and get them cut and polished yourself. 
uh, you can see high profits in it, especially uh, people who want diamonds from three carats up. Yeah, because I, I have I have several librarians that got diamond uh, mines. It's all over the like, library. I got like uh, I got fifteen gold miners. I got uh, diamond miners, but they're selling the stuff in rocks so in bags when I in Liberia and stuff like that. So I'm like I'm like yeah. The next stage would be to be cutting the stuff and polishing them. You know, Liberia is a, a different country than it was when we were talking ten years ago. Trust me. You know, now you can actually do business there. You know. And you don't have to worry about the government and stuff like that. You know, it's a different different case now. They they the country's really maturing. Liberia's really maturing than it was a decade ago, you know? Yeah, it's a it's relatively a small country. Uh it, it has about six million population. It has uh, a great deal of the rainforest uh is located in, in uh, Liberia. And Liberia also have 384, uh, they call them hectares, which we call them acres of land of rubber trees. So when you look at uh, rubber trees and the revenue that could be generated out of rubber trees by a group of uh, blacks who can go over there and who, who knows botany can take care of the trees and how to graft and grow the trees to speed up the process of a tree. Right now, they, they, there were some black uh, scientists in Akron, Ohio, came up with this grafting uh, process where you could take a, a five-year-old tree and graft it to a 15-year-old tree, and in 18, 19 years, have it producing the same amount of, uh, of, of rubber that a 30 or 40 year old tree could produce. So if we could build a processing plant in Liberia, and Liberia have less than 6 million people, if we could build a processing plant, you could have 500,000 employees and generate over $10 billion per year. Now think about how much money you pay for automobile tires, how much money you pay for tennis shoes? How much money you pay for uh, shoes that manufacturers need to have made out of rubber for the employees? Or just about everything that moves has some type of rubber in it, automobile, cars, airplanes, etc. Uh, so taking over the, the um, rubber industry in Liberia could be a $10 billion a year uh, starting out by having this rubber processing plant, and it would increase a billion dollars up to the next ten years. If if you have want to buy a Michelin tire, uh, if you have a foreign car, uh, Mercedes, a Jaguar, BMW, those tires can cost two fifty to three hundred dollars a piece. Right. So when you start a processing plant that can turn out uh, millions of those ties uh, uh, per month, it doesn't take long to hit the billion dollar mark in it. So uh, we took a delegation a, a few years ago to Liberia and tried to do it, but we struck, struck out because yeah, I remember. 
of the the uh, administration that they had there. Miss Johnson turned out to be a crook who wanted to have most of the investment to go through one of her two sons. Yeah, uh, it hey, was Rose. Though we got to take a break, and uh, in the top of the hour, we'll come back to that what you were talking about, Surly, and then we're gonna talk about uh, Angola, and we're gonna talk about. Uh, uh, the Wakanda, uh, when you went met with Mugabe, uh, as far as like the city state they were planning in Zimbabwe and uh, Zambia, you know, after Celeste had went away, we'll talk about that, okay? All right. All right, we'll talk about that. Well, I'm gonna try to set a timeline, right? The people said, they said what? Like I said, look, Mr. Rosenthal introduced the idea to Zimbabwe. You went over there, right? They were starting to yeah. call it Wakanda. You know, we said Africa, they were saying Wakanda. So now I'll try to set the record straight. Look, this is how it all started. This is where this is where it all started. It started in the BAIL, you know? And so and Mr. Rosenthal was the one who introduced it to uh Dr. Arikana and uh Robert Mugabe. And they liked the idea, you know? You know, because I I I went on, I didn't be honest with you, when you went to Celeste, I knew Celeste was interested, right? But when you told me that they were interested, they said that's a good idea, I was just really blown away. You know, I was like, wow, they like the idea. It was city state and uh yeah, with the Ashwood come, they start calling Wakanda and everything because Black Panther was out at the same time, you know. They start calling like Wakanda. But we're gonna play some music and then we're gonna be right back, okay? Let me hear say well. Say boom boom boom, no we're about to say well. Say boom boom boom, no let me hear say well. Check out that one. Malik is a nap. I'm your money in the pocket. 
Mr. Robert Rosenthal, president of the TRG Rosenthal Group, uh, been a partner of mine for over a decade now. Uh, <clears throat> we have some mishaps here, and yeah, like I said, uh, we're we're pioneers. We're, we're, stuff we're doing is gonna make it easy for the next generation of doing this uh, uh, coming behind us. And, and a lot of times, is when people have success in Africa, it's because of people like Mr. Rosenthal who've already been there. And put the idea, plant the seeds. And people don't realize that. You know, he's been to all these African countries and planted the seeds. He's been to Kenya. You know, so people, oh yeah, I went to Kenya. Well, there was somebody that was doing this while you guys were out there saying hope and change with Barack Obama. It was Mr. Rosenthal. He was out there for a couple of decades doing these things. So it's not uh, anything new. Wow, African Americans coming to Africa. Well, there was Eugene Jackson. Uh, Blacks Without Borders, people have been pioneering this stuff for decades now, you know, going to the continent and building. That's been in the, the African-Americans going to Africa is not an anomaly. It's not anything uh, fantastic. It's not nothing spectacular or uh, out of this world. It's something that should be the norm. Just like the Jews uh, have Israel. The Chinese can go to Chinatown all over the world. We have to be a global. People talk about globalism. Everyone's a globalist, right? When it comes to Mexicans flooding the border, whatever, everybody's a globalist, right? America's sending their, their, their factories over to China. Oh, we live in a global world. Uh, NAFTA sending jobs to Mexico. But when it comes to the African American, suddenly everybody wants to domesticate us. Suddenly, oh man, what are you talking about going there for? You know, America's your home. Bye, bye, bye. Everybody else, there's more white people that retire overseas than black people. They got the best country in the world for being white, but yet they take they they travel more overseas, they invest more overseas than we do. Why is that? But this is what's part of the revolution, you know? Just the idea of building on the continent. And I'm going to Liberia next month. I purchased my ticket today. You know, I'm gonna be there next month on the twenty second, you know. God's God's uh, God's God's will. I'll be there. So the bottom line, I'm going to meet with a lot of people. I got agricultural projects going on. I'm meeting a lot of people on the ground, and I'm going to rebuild it. I think Liberia. I think Liberia is in a better position to listen to what we have to say now. There were, and also now, ten years ago, we didn't have cryptocurrency. We didn't have cash app. We didn't have all these instruments, this technology app. Ten years ago, we didn't have the apps. You know, you can create your own app right now and have your own trading platform integrated with everything. You can with an app, whatever thing you're trying to do. If you're trying to build an organization, right, you can create an app for it. Link it to your bank account. Everything. Say you want an organization where everybody, everybody organization is, is investing a uh, hundred dollars, right, and that's going into the investment pool, and you pay out dividends. You can create an app just for that. It all takes the mind. We definitely got the spirit. We got a lot of black people that want to do this. Well, I think what's missing is a lot of black people with their black power movements are not 
talking about Africa. They're not talking about the future. Everything is just centered in America. We cannot be a people as big as we are confined to the United States. We can't do it. You know, we can't afford to do it anymore. We have to be all over it. We have the people on the African continent. Just reach out to them and say, okay, let's pull you into our group. What's going on over there? I have my brother Bamani. He runs a travel agency, right? He, his Africa, he just only does black people. Africa, Africa. He just came back from Tanzania. He's about to go to Ghana again. The trip to Tanzania, Zanzibar, the island of Zanzibar was spectacular. He did a safari. He did the traditional culture thing. They're staying in five-star resorts. If you want to know about Bomani and his tours, and we'll get on one of his tours, you let me know, and I'll hook you up with him. You know, good price, everything. Hotel, food, everything included, you know. Bottom line is this. We're doing all these things, but people don't know about it. You know, oh, one thing you want to know is your hood. Your, come on. You know, the, the Pan-Africanism is not some far-out fantasy. It's real. It's a way to make money, way to expand and everything. So people... Man, they get over Zanzibar, you know what? Open up a hotel over here, you know? Okay. I think I'm going to stick around here. Don't mean you have to give me your citizenship. Don't mean you have to do that. But you've got something else besides America. Because I'm, honestly, I'm tired of hearing about black people complaining about racism. I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of hearing about racism. Racism. Oh, uh, yo, please, dude. Either go to the continent, get the hell out of here, or just take a nosedive off the Empire State Building. I'm tired of hearing your mouth. We gave you a way out. You know, this is a way out if you want to take it. You can't take it here. Hey, America's not going to change. I hate to break that to you. America's not going to change. All you social justice warriors, and whatnot, all you want to do is weaken us. You know, we're not buying it. But this uh, 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 next part, I want to talk about Mr. Rosal when he went to Liberia and then when he went to Angola. Because I remember I introduced him to Mr. Bemba. Somehow we got Mr. Celeste. And then uh, that was going good. That's where he introduced the gold bullion bank. And uh, now it's a natural resource bank and all the uh, the uh, crypto bank right now they have. And uh, uh, Celeste went away on some false charges. The new president came in. Now she's out. Now she works with the government. She's a high in high esteem. She's the most powerful woman in Africa right now. And uh, and Zimbabwe, Dr. Arakana, and the future. And I want to know, uh, talk about what, uh, it went from uh, Zimbabwe and Zambia border to Ghana. So let's talk about uh, Liberia. What was what was your impression? I was the one. I feel bad about that because I was the one who encouraged you to go there. You know. Oh, um, Liberia uh, has it's a small country with a lot of resources, but it's it's not as rich as some of those other countries that we've talked about. But I think now that Liberia uh, is gradually coming around because when we were there, we made speeches to a lot of young uh, college students who are now professionals, just like the scenario we just talked about building a rubber processing plant and just manufacturing automobile ties and shoes to generate over $10 billion per year. Well. Liberia also produced a lot of uh, uh, cocoa beans, and cocoa just come up out of the ground in Liberia. It's the same as it does its neighbor. Uh, other group decide to build a factory to process cocoa. Look at how big uh, Nestle and 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 um, these chocolate companies 
wrong uh, from just buying those cocoa beans for little or nothing and coming up. When I came uh, back from Dubai, I went through Switzerland. Uh, and in the airport in Switzerland, they have six ounces of chocolate with some uh, uh, whiskey inside of it. They sell for $160. Well, you can you can buy a 100-pound sack of cocoa beans for less than $30. So so when you look at it from that perspective, it's, it's ex extremely profitable. But when we want to look at the wealth, the true wealth of Africa, and too many Americans think when you say, well, I'm going over there to Africa, it's just like going to Chicago. There are 54 different countries in Africa, 54 different currencies, uh, I mean, 41 different currencies, and over 2,000 different languages. So if you're going over there, you, you need to learn a language or pick one of the countries that have either English or dual countries like uh, um, Rwanda, who changed from French to English because the English-speaking countries generally are doing better than the French-speaking countries. Back in January, Dr. Eric Connor was telling us, well, last year in December, was telling us uh, some of the things that was happening with France. And in January, we took eight African countries to France and found out that France was printing up the money for these countries. And when France would print up money for the African countries, they would print up money for themselves. And under my definition, they were taking counterfeited money to Africa buying gold, oil, and diamonds. Money they print up and they just take it over there and put it in circulation by buying natural resources. So these eight countries broke away from France, and now they're starting their own central bank, and we will be working with them to set up uh, their own central bank. But I'm working on a system where I want to be able to make gold available to this organization so regular American people who want to invest in gold and don't want to get into no con artists or no crazy stuff could come through this organization. The BAL, the, the, the Black Africa, the Black Africa. look at the... Oh, oh, the oh, uh, let me talk about what, what organization is that you're talking about? BIO. BIO, okay. I'm what we're talking about now. Oh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. and I discussed this a year ago, yeah. but it's, it's going to be about the third quarter of, of uh, 2021 before we get to that level. Right. Well, I'm ready for you. I got but, the people. I got them all ready for you. Yeah, but we need something rather than just social media saying... Uh, right, right. We need something tangible. We need something you can make high returns on your money with. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I got the, I got the people. I got the people. All I have to do is... uh. uh uh, you get the people, uh, get the things, stuff like that, and uh, I got the organization that we do that. Then people join the organization, they're making money, and they're more enthusiastic yeah, all, about it. All of, that, all of that could be set up by, by the different apps that you were talking about. But when we look at the wealth of Africa, let's break it down into three countries. If we look at Zimbabwe, Angola, and 
uh, Dominican Republic of Congo, those three countries, uh, Zimbabwe has $16 trillion of known in-ground assets. Angola has $22 trillion of known in-ground assets. Congo has $38 trillion of known in-ground assets. Those three countries are richer than the United States and all of Europe and Dubai combined. So when you hear folks saying they got fighting in Congo, uh, Congo is not peaceful, these are uh, white companies and now Chinese companies stirring up those wars and paying Rwanda to go in there and take uh, gold and coltan out of those countries <clears throat> because the Congolese people, it, it has the richest country in the world, uh, but they have a very weak army and they're not known for fighting uh, other countries who come in, uh, other companies who come in and take their resources. If yeah, they, you have warlords who are there. They control uh, areas, and basically they got – I saw a truck, a U.N. truck, right, a bus, right? It had the windows covered up, and they stopped it. It was packed with iron ore or coal pan, you know? It was a U.N. Yeah, truck. Yeah, but you can go over there and ask them who's paying for – you know, this stuff goes back to when they had the rumble in the, in the jungle uh, when the United States started to – Paying, uh, supporting different facets over there, what you call warlords. Was, was, where, if you find out where they're getting their machine guns and their bullets and who's putting the monies up, it trickles back to United States and Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there are about 30 some companies in Congo. You, you know, when you look at, let's say, you may not understand how much $38 trillion is, but if you look at the GDP of the United States, it's somewhere in the lower $20 trillion. Uh, if you look at the whole GDP of all of Europe, uh, it, it's going to be low. It's going to be under $15 trillion. You know, so when you look at one country that has, now you can't compare GDP some of you people who are economists would say, well, you don't supposed to compare GDP with, uh, with in-ground assets, but that's where the wealth is, is in in-ground assets. So the challenge become is finding African-Americans who have the skill, knowledge, and ability and training as well as the experience to, to extract those in-ground in assets uh, manage the in-ground assets once they come above the ground. Let's go back to jewelry making. It, it's very easy to go over there and find raw diamonds, uh, uh, a tiger eye, moon's eye, uh, emblems, uh, all of those things that are known for making jewelry, uh, jade, uh, etc. <clears throat> once you get all of those, you have to cut and polish them and put them in settings. That's where the money is being lost. So there's many, many opportunities in at least 20 countries that this can be done. 
uh, there, there are so many opportunities if you have a good skill set that you understand. You can't go over there with nothing and make something. Uh, you you have to have a skill and management are the things that uh, the future is. There used to be none industrial production because of low levels of electric power. Mm -hmm. But now since they're coming up with solar power, with nuclear power, with, with um, uh, uh, magnetic power, there are so many new wind power, there are so many uh, powers that's coming out with different electric systems that it's, it's enabling industrialization to crap up. And the reason that's happening is for the last 30 years, China had a law that each family couldn't have but one child. Mm -hmm. So that's coming back to bite them now because they have produced the aging old population. Old folks can't work in factories eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. So when you go to Africa, everywhere you look, you're going to see a woman walk around with a baby on the back. So the medium age, uh, in Africa is under 25. So when you look at opportunities for industrialization, technical training is one of the greatest things that's needed over there okay. to uh, increase technology. Right. Yeah. Technology. I even saw the, uh, they're like power packs, right? And they're run by uh, fuel, uh, some of them, uh, Diesel, some of them are even uh, micronuclear, and they're like set as a like a, a generator, but it's like you can't hear it, and it's like it's like a, it looks like a shipping container size, right? And you can put those oh, things. Okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. you put those things all, all across an area, and and you can have wiring, uh, the wiring to transmit the transmitters and everything like that to people. That's a uh, so in other words, you can have a grid, right? Without a grid, so you have a grid where it's powering uh, to an area, farms, cities, and everything—a whole small town, actually. You know, you know, without having a centralized power system. You know, all you do is replace the uh, the thing out. You know, it's like you're, when one is running low on fuel, you place them out. All those things right there could really develop those large areas of land in Africa that's undeveloped. You know, that's going to take decades to. Uh, to build, I mean, you don't have to worry about mountains and stuff like that. You know, it's in uh, building a, uh, uh, the transmission transmission lines and stuff like that. So, all that technology is out there. The technology, everything out there to develop Africa is out there. You know, it's just yeah, that the yeah, mindset. What's needed is, is skill and uh, skill uh, uh, leadership training and management and experience those are the things and vision, we need vision. I, I think if that root up from the ground up the leadership will will jump in place anyway if you yeah. look at the united states it's not the president that creates the united states he has nothing to do with cadillac facebook yahoo uh general motors all of those things are the private sector that are doing those things so it's going to be the same. Africa will be the same way. Private companies will spring up, uh, and and they will they will just continue to grow. They they are doing it in South Africa, but because 
South Africa is, is so close to Great Britain, you wouldn't know. You go to Johannesburg, uh, 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 Durban, uh, down on the deep south coast, it looks the same as London looks. Same building, same companies. Uh, lately, you can see companies like Church's Chicken, McDonald's, uh, Pizza Hut are popping up all over Africa. Right. But, but prior to that, and, and now Walmart is trying to get into that. But there are so many opportunities for management and, and finance uh, and engineering and um, uh, 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 managing resources, just managing all kinds of stuff. The, the opportunities are just great. You name any category, you can find thousands of opportunities to go over there. And once you get over there, the, the most important thing is to quickly become familiar with the language. There, there are some countries that have dual languages. Mm -hmm. They speak their language and they speak English also, which is, it's about 18 countries that you can go <laughs> over to and just and can survive and, with and English. Another, another opportunity, <coughs> you know, talking to Celeste is, another opportunity I was telling Celeste, uh, Celeste was telling me was that, uh, uh, teaching English is big money in countries like Angola and Namibia, you know, and some parts of Zambia. Teaching English, being an English, because people want to learn English because they want to be connected with the, the rest of the English-speaking world, you know, because uh, 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 they saw how Rwanda, Rwanda is like, uh, it's easy to business. One thing is English makes it easier to understand black America. So teaching English. Well, English is a finance. Uh, English is how fi worldwide finance is conducted. You can go anywhere in the world and say, well, I want to buy this. And if it's coming from a country with a different currency, nobody knows how much it costs. But if they will ask you, how much is this worth in English, in, uh, in dollars? And you say $100, everybody knows, all over the world knows what the equivalence of $100 is. Right. So, so when you start doing business, uh, you, you have to calculate uh, in, in dollars. Right now, China and Russia and UAE are trying to change that by carrying their currency to the gold standard. Right. But right now, it's going to take years before people can stop uh, thinking in terms of other currencies. Right. Uh, just like if somebody try to teach you the metric system and they're selling gas at a dollar twenty cents a liter, well you're gonna want to know how much of that equals to a gallon. Otherwise you won't understand whether you're being cheated or how much gas you're getting, right. etc. So so the the dollar will carry its footprint for quite a long time. But what we need to focus on is the opportunities uh, that are over there. Right. There are so many opportunities that uh, uh, once you get there, now you keep talking about Celeste. Uh, Celeste and I did a, cut a lot of new trails in Angola. Right. We established uh, a natural resource bank. Mm -hmm. When you look at natural resources, uh, you have six white boys in London 
every morning will sit at a table and will come up with the price of gold and they will post that uh it's called london bullion association lbma they will post the price of gold and when anybody wants to buy gold or sell gold they are, they will ask what is the london price of it well what we want to do once we get several more of the gold banks established we will set the daily price of gold it won't be done where to be to the advantage of the people from britain yeah let me ask you a question mr rosal remember that one time uh and i'm gonna get into uh wakanda with dr Arcon. remember that one time we sat down to talk to uh on a conference call with the liberian formal diplomat remember when he was telling us well he passed away you know a couple few years ago uh, I forgot. Yeah. I forgot. Remember him? Yes. And he was telling us that uh, uh, if you have gold or bullion in Africa, sometimes if uh, even a new administration, if there's a coup, the first thing they do is go to the bank and see what's in the vault, start looting it. You know, how secure is the gold bullion banks in Africa? Do you have your own security, military? I think that would have warrant having its own. Well, that's one of the reasons we picked Angola. Is because Angola's army can beat any country in Africa. It has, uh, they they have Russian me jets. They have uh, um, American tanks. Uh, they they're just a militarily strong country. And if you go to uh, the central bank of Angola to rob it, you might get in there, but you won't come out alive. You know, it's secure so. Most of the central banks have the local armies guarding their central banks. So it's very, it's very secure. But if you put your money in the little community banks, uh, you stand a chance of losing it. In in America, uh, when the United States was in this financial crisis, and Obama printed up over $800 billion most of that money went to white banks and and none of it went to black organizations so that made the gap between black and white spread 800 billion dollars further putting us down 800 billion dollars lower than white organizations because that money was just dumped into the white community without being shared with the black community that that was uh big setback for us and right now when you're talking about uh COVID and recovery and all of this stuff well when you start to dump in trillions of dollars of, of over a hundred billion dollars into the economy and it's not spread it equally uh it's not set up where blacks can be beneficiaries of any of that money you drive the gap between black and white Income, uh, wealth, you, uh, much larger. Yeah. yeah, that's very critical. Okay, so so let me ask you a question. So let's say a, a, a country wants to participate in the gold bullion. Twenty million dollars. We look at him as being rich. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He got the. He got Chinese partners. But, but when, well. They haven't agreed to let the Chinese do it because of the track records 
of the Chinese. Like in Zambia, the Chinese financed the electric power station and Zambia couldn't pay the money back. So they sent Chinese soldiers over there to read the meters and collect the light bill. Right. So, you, you know, China's not giving them that stuff for free. Well, no, of course so they want something back. When it comes down to paying it back, the African countries can't do it. And China don't want the money. China wants the natural resources. Yeah, they want access to the... Uh, the now, tell me how this uh, Wakanda city... Uh, is looking up. She, with Dr. Arcana, is like the face of it. You know, I know you was the original face of it because you were the one who introduced it to Africa. The idea of a diaspora city state, so homeland diaspora. I remember you put the design up. I like to see that yeah. design. Oh, yeah. Do you have a yeah, design well, still? Well, yeah. Uh, you see, the, the, what, how that came up is you and I was discussing it, and you sent me this link where these four Chinese companies was trying to build a free free zone in uh, uh, Nigeria. Nigeria. Nigeria, yeah. Okay, so I went over there and I joined the Chinese companies to build this free zone, which would have been the largest free zone in the world for international trade. Yeah. And China had agreed to buy all everything that was manufactured in Leaky near Lagos and carry it back to China, and they wouldn't need to market it all over the world. But the Chinese went over there, and the mistake the Chinese made is they called the Nigerians dumb. And Nigerians beat them out of $10 million, so the Chinese left and went back to China. Wow. So that, that killed that. So, but the idea of it was so great. We started then on talking about how do you build a smart, sustainable, New city, right, right, yeah, yeah. Okay, right, right now, uh, Zimbabwe want a new city, Angola wants a new city. Oh, we're Congo gonna we're gonna build that city in Angola. We got the uh, land. We're gonna build that city in Angola. We got the land set up. We're gonna build. Well, we need yeah. the people. Well, and Angola, Angola is very rich in resources. Yes, yeah, they got land too. They have space. They, they have land. They have land too. Uh, so, so after the Black Panther movie came out and they showed this TV deal of the uh, new city that was going to be built in Africa, that's where the idea uh, came from to do it in Ghana. Uh, the Ghana government is not stepping up to the plate. Uh, neither neither um Acon don't have six billion dollars to bill it with, right. but it's it's gonna take an aggregation of different people to do it. In 2012, my company went to uh, to Ghana, and we did a partnership with Israel and China and the Minister of Health from uh, Ghana and built a, uh, one of the the most state-of-the-art hospitals in the world in in Ghana at the University of Accra. Uh, so for to build these new cities, it's going to take a conglomerate of different parties coming together with with one quarterback to put all players in place so it can come together quickly. Yeah. 
I'm looking forward to the Angola one because that's why the country I know the best as far as like building a new city state and stuff like that. That's the territory. Yeah, in Angola, the the government is is highly supporting uh, bringing African American back. Angola, Zimbabwe, as well as Tanzania, all of those countries are making an asserted effort to bring in uh, African Americans. Yeah, 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 they are. And like I said, we just have to keep doing, we got to solidify our partnership with the, uh, the Rosenthal Group and the BAIO. Whatnot. Once we have cash and uh, stuff like that, I can put it together and then people start taking this more seriously when they, they when, when, when the money's there. The, money, the money's got to be there. When we start, look at, look at, well, the BIO, what I want is the BIO to have its own assets. Equity uh, corporation with own assets, you know, that's all I want. Then I can build the organization like that. I want to be able to fund uh, nonprofits that I have lined up in Liberia, Angola, and stuff like that. And once I build a BAO portfolio and profile, you know, then I can write my own ticket as far as building this thing we're trying to do. Well, I'm, I'm going to get off now, but I'm on your WhatsApp. I'm going to put uh, a Liberian guy who's who works between Philadelphia and uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, is, is doing some intelligent uh, planning for Liberia. Okay, well, put him put in touch with me. I'm the person he needs to be in touch with, you know? Uh, all right. I'm going over but next month. I'm, I'm real proud of the work that you're doing. I, I mean, it's starting at at the lower level building its way up right that means when it gets to the top it'll be strong right right but, building, uh, building it by, by yeah. step by step but building this thing and i'm not giving up you know you know i look at you you're 75 why not i'm gonna be kicking it like you you know what i'm saying you're my inspiration you know <laughs> yeah well i've also survived the COVID 19. oh i didn't know that oh oh yeah congratulations i yeah. didn't know that yeah i mean it, it's it's it, it's rough, but I, I take it as a blessing from God. Yeah, but, keep uh, doing what you're doing, brother, Mr. Rosenthal. Like I said, we all love you. We're proud of work you're right. doing. You know, you just need to give more recognition. You know. Well, it's it, it, it's okay. Uh, well, everybody, there's a lot of people listening to this show. You know, a couple million people. You know, what I'm saying. Plus, I'm gonna put this on podcast on Facebook. You know, and it's this podcast. I'm gonna put this podcast on Facebook so you can share it around. You know, stuff like that. So you know. Feel free to share this around, you know. We gotta go All back. Right. We gotta go back to the old days, the block talk radio and stuff. Remember that, you know? Yes. <laughs> All right, Mr. Rosenthal, but thanks for joining us today. Thanks for joining Call Nation Radio. All right. You know what I'm and you, t- you take night. care. You have a good night. Bye bye. That was Mr. Robert Rosenthal, the Rosenthal Group. I tell you what, he's 75 years old. What's your excuse? He's out there kicking, you know, around the world. Meet with dignitaries, meet with high-level officials and everything. That's my partner right there on the African continent and from Vicksburg, Mississippi. You know, wonderful story, wonderful life. The guy's a Jesser and the guy kicked it too, man. He, you see Mr. Rosenthal, man. He got a little Mac on him, you know. He gets now. I'll be seeing him with some fine-ass woman his age. I'll be seeing him with some fine women around the world. I'm like, God damn, Mr. Rosenthal. That dude, he got swag, he got style, you know. You know, he's living his best life. He's doing, he's doing, living his best life. You know, that's what we're trying to do. So we play some music, and we'll call, and uh, and we're gonna come back and you know, finish up the show. I've, I'm really excited about this show. You know, I think it's Black Panther.
We'll play some music from Black Panther. We're going to talk about Wakanda. We're going to play some Black Panther music tonight. Tune into the hood's number one online station. Well, it was a good show tonight, folks. Special guest, Mr. Robert Rosenthal. Something uh, I felt like his story needs to be. Sh- uh, this, what bothers me is this: every guy, everybody on YouTube chasing the same story. I mean, how many times are you gonna beat 
the Kevin Samuels with the average chip story. You know, all right, we said that. Every freaking day, everybody got the same damn topics, you know? Oh, what did uh, such and such say about such and such? Oh, tonight on the show, such and such like that. Oh, black women are mad, you know? Or, black men are no good. Black women are no good. Black women are mad. But I'm like, God damn, is there anything else to talk about? Is there anything to talk about besides uh, uh, gossip and anything that's going on in this world that interests you miserable people, you know? There's a whole lot of good that's going on in the world, but all you want to do is focus on failure. There's black people out there doing their thing, making money, making moves. I want to be about winning. Yeah, we talk about the uh, police shooting. What do you want me to get on the show every night talking about, oh, woe is me? I can't be Phil Scott. Phil Scott is like, oh, see, Karen, this Karen, Mazungo, and that. You know, okay, Phil, you sound real African centric because you use the term. Mazungo. He can't even say it properly. Like slurs on his speech. Yo, look, enough of that. That's what you got to do to uh, get ratings when I talk about Karen. Karen accosted a black lady in Walmart today. You know, the black woman wasn't having the fire over and whooped her ass. Oh. Karen was uh, was questioning a couple eating at a picnic bench, you know, saying, why are you uh, playing the music? Oh, oh, look. Brad was out there was uh, they, these Karens and these Brads are gonna go on with their white life. That white skin is gonna guarantee them a certain sense of security and purpose in this world that you'll never so you're not hurting anybody or yeah, it may make think you have a cathartic person, the character. They not worried about you. Why don't we start worrying about ourselves, loving ourselves, and learn how to accept who we are as a people? You know? Oh racism, white supremacy, white privilege and everything. You know, uh, I, and, and you know what's so embarrassing is that most of this drama is done by black women. I don't get it. They're at war with white women. They're at war with black men. They're at war with white men. They're at war with everybody else. They're at war with Asians. And I'm like, what is it about our sisters? We can't tell them, look, we love you. You don't have to do all this. You don't have to be mean and bitter and angry. I understand that sisters going through a lot. And I always put this on black men. No, not just black men. We, what is it? Decent black men, right? You know, like myself, or I'm no simp, or a decent black man. Well, I'll check one in a minute. But the bottom line is, you know, we as black men have failed because too many of our sisters are carrying the burden. And that's why our women can't be feminine. That's why they can't be soft because they got to carry two roles. They got to be husband and wife, they got to be boyfriend and girlfriend at the same time. Because too many black men are out there don't want the responsibility of being a man. And until that happens, we have nothing to say to our black women. Our women are out there, they're hurting. I don't know what it's like being a black woman in a white world. I see it all the time. My office is right next to uh, a black beauty. So on one hand, I look at it as, okay, black women are doing their thing, they're making money and everything. But when I look at the you know, okay, uh girl goes into a uh, shop, right? She looks, I'm not going to joke about this, right? It's a too serious topic to joke. Girl goes in, and she got a bag of weave in her head. They're right of office, right? They go with their weave, like a bag, whatever like that. They come out a couple hours later, when they got hair down to the ankle. I know that's not their real hair. It doesn't look natural, you know? You know, and the bottom line is they're under the pressure. There's fake eyelashes. Outside my office, right, I got 
leaves being stuck together, right? And it's hard to pick up leaves. Why? Because the glue from the weave they pull out, whatever, is stuck to the leaves and everything, and eyelashes are all over the place. So it always blows across the dang parking lot right in front of my office. There's a pile of leaves every day. I can't do nothing about it. The only thing I can do is my landlord tell him to go hire somebody. He say, I'll find somebody to hire somebody. Take all those damn leaves up with us because they always blow at the end of the at, at the end of the uh, uh to the block where my office is at. And it piles up right at my freaking office. On top of that, there's paper on the ground, and everything, and eyelashes, weave and everything, weave hair and everything, dead weave hair, all pile up on thing. Now, some people will say, Kyle, don't say that. That's your black woman and whatnot. I'm like, so should I accept that? You know, I mean, I'm seeing purple hair and all stuff like that. And the glue, when it gets with this, this stuff, it's disgusting. I got to pick that shit up, you know? <laughs> you know? So what I'm saying is this, though. Uh, women, we have to let our women know we love them, you know, in a natural state. I don't know what for all it's worth. Maybe maybe our love is not good enough. I don't know. But, but right now, I'm telling you right now, if you're going to build anything, man, we cannot build anything off this faithless. We cannot build a community and talk about loving our women. And we're not being real black men. And they're not being black women. They're artificial. We wear artificial uh, stuff. All this cake on me. I remember dating this girl last year when I all that she looked good, bro. She had eyelashes on her, you know. She had a weed one. I thought she looked good. Also, I went over her house one day. She said, come inside, right? And I said, no, I was like, who the fuck are you? I'm Tiffany. I said, what the fuck? You don't look like you should look like a oh it was a mess. You know, I was completely deceived. I was like, oh shit, man. Oh, oh my. I mean, without the makeup and the weave and the eyelashes, oh, she looked like a mess. So I was like, damn, I'm fucked. What the fuck I get myself into, man? You look so you look like a different person yesterday. Anyway, it is what it is, you know. It is what it is, you know. And that's what we talk about on these shows and whatnot. You know, send me my hate mail nation.colify at gmail.com. Send me my hate mail if you don't like what I just said. We can discuss about it. If you want to be a guest on the show, uh, uh, show we'll talk about it. Um, uh, you can catch uh, me. You want to join the BAIO. You interested with what Mr. Rosenthal said. If you're interested in Africa, you want to connect with African businesses and everything, join my social network. It's, it's www.africstan with a K the number five dot ning dot com that's those are, those are, those are, sorry about that is b a i o africstan five that's africstan with a k the number five at uh at ning dot com that's b a i o africstan the number five at ning uh, dot ning dot com dot ning not at dot ning dot com that's our social network. You want to join us, right? You want to join our social network. You want to get plugged into what's going on in the continent and the Pan-African movement, which is really going everything. As you can see from the show tonight, I'm not a novice in this. I've been building bridges and platforms for over uh, two decades, you know, and I've been on social media since 2016. So as soon as I got on social media in 2002, 2006, 14 years. So as soon as I got on, so it'll be 15 years in January. So, uh, so as soon as I got on social media in 2006, I hit the ground running. I became what I always wanted to be, the collagenesis, right? I created my profile and said, I am really the collagenesis. I've always called myself the collagenesis, right? I always said that was the collagenesis, but I had no place to do it, right? It was just in my mind. I got on social media and people were calling me collagenesis. I'm like, I am now the collagenesis. 
Well, thank you for joining me tonight, folks. And I'll see you again next week. You have a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. You know, I love Gangster World Radio. I love all the people in Gangster World Radio. And we're going to be here for a long time to come and everything. More exciting stuff to do in the future. We're going to bang this out for 2020. It's going to be some year. So you take care. Y'all have a good night. You have now tuned into the hood's number one online station. <laughs>